You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch episode Devil's Deal. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, uh, the altitudinous Kyle Avery. How's it going, Mike? Good, good. I, I, Joe's out. He's got some he's got some uh, deadlines he's got to hit. Uh, so I uh, so so he's taking the week off. Um, I am back. Uh, and, 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 and the machine works as intended. This was the whole plan. This was the reason why there's three of us. <laughs> it's always, yeah, when yeah, there's exactly. only, when there's only two of us, it's like, then I'm scrambling for a, for a special guest host at the last second when, 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 you know, when Matt would not be able to make it, which was very rare, but on the occasions that he wasn't, it was like, Oh crap, I got to find somebody always ended up leaving it to the last minute. Um, but with this one, it's like, this is perfect. You know, I was out last week, you guys held it down for me. I heard Joe wrote the recap himself. He did. I, I, I guess I should have given slightly more, uh, uh, explicit instructions on, on how to, how to handle that. But, uh, that's okay. It's all good. You guys got it done. Um, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I did listen to a pretty pretty good chunk of it, and uh, you guys did you guys did a good job with them. So yeah, we had a good I, time. I, so thank you for that. Um, but I, hey, let's let's jump into some news. We've actually got some news. Uh, yeah, this week. for for a change. Yeah. Um, so I first we've got uh, the announcement that there is a second Disney gallery episode for the Mandalorian season two specifically focused on the Luke Skywalker uh, reveal at the end of the season finale. Um, Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, There's a mixed, mixed reactions online to this. There's a lot of people who are like, yeah, awesome. And then other people who are like, Oh, why is it always Luke Skywalker? And it's like, well, I mean, because he's Luke Skywalker. He's kind of the main character of the first three movies. Um, yeah, kind of. It's always interesting whenever this this comes up because I I am fairly certain here. This is this is my anecdotal casual observation. I don't have data to back this up. I haven't done any scientific rigorous uh, I, 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 polling or anything of that sort. I don't have demographics for it, but it's, it's my assumption that, that there's something very specific happening and this, and it's pretty much Twitter. Like it's Twitter where this, where this occurs. I, a, a great many Raylos of which I consider myself one. So I feel like I'm not, you know, talking out of school here, but a great many Raylos, unlike myself came into the star Wars fandom. I, uh, they were, they were either like sort of more, more casual fans, not, not saying that as like a, 
a derogatory thing, but it was just like, oh yeah, Star Wars is cool. I like Star Wars. But then something in The Last Jedi really spoke to a lot of those people. And the the majority of that demographic is is uh, a lot of it's millennial women. Um, and I, 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 you know, there, there's certainly some Gen Xers in there. There's certainly some some Gen Z as well. But I would say the vast majority is millennial women. And they they suddenly fell in love with Star Wars um because ryan johnson presented such a different version of star wars right like such a uh oscar isaac there's this great interview i think it was when they were they were somewhere in asia i think it might have been japan and they were giving interviews and and he talked about about how good the last jedi was and how it was um how it was subversive but i i i is still like sort of like holding true to what star Wars is all about and all that stuff. And I, I like really like, like not being precious about it, but, uh, but, but still respecting it and all that stuff. And I, uh, and I think that resonated with it, with a specific group of people. Um, and I, that group of people, because they were not huge, original trilogy fans or even prequel trilogy fans, but because they were coming in specifically for Ray and Kylo, they have a specific opinion of Luke Skywalker as a character. That's very different from those of us who, who are more attached to the original trilogy. Um, and I would say like, and, and it, this even differs from those who came in during the clone wars era, who, like really identify with the prequel characters of Obi-Wan, Padme, Anakin, uh, uh, the clones, etc. Right. It's like, I've always noticed that talking about the clone wars as much as I have over the years, uh, that, that, you know, you've got you like the, 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 the fandom is broken into these generations. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, but the unique thing here is that like, there's nothing in the prequels that paints, uh, so I, I think prequel fans probably have much more sympathy for Darth Vader. Right. Um, yeah, because, sure. because they're, they're looking at it through the lens of, of Anakin Skywalker. Like if you grew up watching the clone wars, then Anakin is a hero to you and, and his fall is that much more tragic and everything that happens in the original trilogy is, is, is a tragedy. Right. If you're looking at it that way, but, but, Luke is still the hero of those stories. It doesn't change that. If, if you are a last Jedi fan, Luke Skywalker is an antagonist in that movie, right? Um, he has his own journey that he goes through his own, his own middle-aged hero's journey. Um, actually not even middle-aged it's more like sort of later age, but I, I not quite senior, but definitely, uh, up there. Um, but, but he is an antagonist to, to, are two leads both to he like he's he's a, a roadblock for Ray and a straight up villain to Kylo Ren to Ben Solo right and he's painted that way for a lot of that movie until he kind of has his turn in the third act right and and I think that if you if you relate heavily or you love uh uh let's say in an obsessive way the character of Kylo Ren you have this negative opinion of Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker is the reason why he turned to the dark side. It's it's really interesting because Obi-Wan has never gotten this 
the the bad rap for Anakin's fall, right? Like, although like Obi Wan's contribution to that, his turning a blind eye to the stuff with Padme, his his following the orders of the Council instead of defending his friend, doing what was right, ultimately leads to Anakin's fall, and Obi Wan never gets a bad rap for that, which I find really interesting. When like like Luke, and 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 Obi Wan does presumably in his mind he does murder anakin skywalker right like it, like he he chops his limbs off and leaves them burning next to a river of lava like for all intents and purposes obi-wan was like i i, I killed my brother i killed my best friend I was, I was supposed to teach him how to be a jedi and and this is what has happened uh luke however has a moment where he goes Oh no, another Darth Vader flinches essentially um, I, while he's got his lightsaber out, unfortunately, and 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 everything else happens. Right. And people like act like he is he is the straight up villain. So it's it's really funny how I, I, when he shows up in The Mandalorian, there's a lot of people like us that are like oh rad luke skywalker and then there are a bunch of other people who are like do not let him take grogu and it's like Hmm. i like like to me i'm always like everybody needs to like take a step back for a second this is not the luke skywalker post i i ben solo's fall right like that's different it's a different character like like he goes through a transformation in those in that in that time period this is the Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, right? I. Uh, but yeah, I it's I just find it really funny that that like this news on my Twitter feed is like is is a fifty fifty split of oh rad, we're gonna learn all about the Luke Skywalker stuff too, uh, oh boo Luke Skywalker, and I just it just keeps coming up and I just always find it interesting, um, the way that that happens. I don't know. I'm sure that you probably don't observe this as much as I do. I mean, I observe it to a certain extent. Um, I tend to just not pay too much attention to it. Cause like you said, I'm definitely one of those fans that grew up on the original trilogy and absolutely loves Luke Skywalker and loved seeing him in the last Jedi or in, in the Mandalorian. Um, I also, I mean, I appreciate his arc in the last Jedi and I'm definitely not one of those mm-hmm. people that's like, Oh, that's not my Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know, like even the people that have an issue with him being in the Mandalorian and are like, oh, I, you know, don't want to see more of that or whatever. Like, even if you're a fan of the sequel trilogy, I would think it would be cool to kind of see that backstory fleshed out of when he's talking about like the, his sort of legend status that led to his own hubris and downfall. And, you know, he's like, I failed because I was Luke Skywalker, Jedi master, a legend. And it's like, that's what you're seeing in the Mandalorian. So I love that we're kind of seeing that that time period of his life in relation to almost being like some filled in backstory for the sequel trilogy, as much as we're seeing it as a, you know, for those of us that grew up on the original trilogy, seeing it as a continuation of the heroic Luke that we all, you know, kind of idealized growing up. So, um, I don't know. I loved it. I'm super excited that we're finally getting this behind the scenes stuff. Cause, um, I mean, safe to say, I think for me and a lot of other fans, this was like the thing that I most wanted to see the behind the scenes of when we got the Disney gallery for season two. Um, and of course, you know, with it being a huge surprise that they were keeping under wraps, it wasn't surprising that they 
weren't you know weren't ready to release that footage to like whoever was editing that episode or you know just they were keeping that back because they were trying to keep it airtight and not wanting any leaks or anything like that so it made sense that we didn't get that back in um december or whenever it was um i'm just glad that we're eventually getting around to it now even though we had to wait a while and i'm really looking forward to seeing um just the behind the scenes process of bringing that character back and how they made that final episode so this was some really uh i don't know really cool exciting news for me to get today um, and I don't know if the timing now is uh, just kind of coinciding with their um, their Emmys promotion. Like, I don't know if it's a coincidence that they announced this on the same day that the Emmy Award nominations were announced and Mandal- Mandalorian got um, uh, nominated for a bunch of Emmy Awards. So it could be part of that. I'm also yeah. wondering, as we're getting later in the year, if maybe this is going to have a little teaser for the book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian season three attached or something. And it's um, something to kind of promote that as we're also, you know, getting the Luke stuff. So um, regardless, I'm really excited to get to see this in August when it releases. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we get something off the tail end of it with, um, being that it's so focused on like the final episode, if we, if we don't get a little taste of, of the book of Boba Fett stuff, um, yeah. of them just kind of being like, and also, you know, we did this and, and, um, look forward to the book of Boba Fett this December and maybe a trailer. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, or that maybe... said, like, we didn't get a trailer for, for Mando season two until like, right before Mando season two. So we might not get a trailer for book of Boba Fett until November at the soonest. Um, Well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It might not be a, like rather than a full fledged trailer, this could be our first little glimpse. I mean, they could have a a little clip of footage or a little behind the scenes sizzle reel, or, you know, just some mention of the future to kind of whet our appetites. Um, And also not to get, too far ahead because i wouldn't necessarily bet on this but i'm also thinking you know this could be a possibility if we're thinking them teasing future stuff attached with this is it seems unlikely at this point but they could maybe like announce or release another project as to where we might see luke and grogu go next um if they have anything else in the works with that which i mean who knows but that's maybe another possibility of something they could uh attached to this as to why they're releasing it now yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say we're never gonna see luke skywalker in the mandalorian again but i uh, well that's what i'm saying is it, if they have plans for that somewhere else i don't know if they're um because no, i i would agree i don't see, think we're, we're gonna not, see we're not gonna yeah, see I don't, digital I don't, luke skywalker ever again it was a one-time thing it's not gonna happen again there's yeah, no yeah, way no, they're I, no, but if they were to bring him back in, like, I don't know, do like a, a series, and this is just purely speculation, if they were to do like a Luke Skywalker series or a series about him raising his Jedi Temple or something like that, I think in that case, then you maybe look at casting Sebastian Stan or somebody like that, no. um, that could play a, a young Luke Skywalker and not We're never going to get it. We're never going to get it. It's never going to happen. Uh, like 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 mark my words if 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 that ever happens like hey we're never getting the sebastian stan thing it's not going to happen the window has has now closed on that it's too late um i if we if we were to get anything on tv it'll be animated i don't think we're gonna get that if we get anything we're gonna get a book or a comic book like five years from now we like they are so terrified to go anywhere near 
that specific stuff. Like Lucasfilm and Disney are so afraid of anything that connects into the sequel trilogy. We're not getting any of that stuff for a long time, a long time. Cause we've got like, like you have to think about what they, what matters to them right now. What matters to them right now is the Mandalorian because it's successful. So we've got book of Boba Fett. We've got Ahsoka. We're going to focus on those things in the, in the near term meaning this year in 2021 in 2022 we start to lead into rogue squadron and maybe we'll start to hear a little bit more about taika waititi's project i i what other movies are are in the works right now nothing that we know of specifically right those are the only announced movies we have dates mm-hmm. but we don't have we don't know what the actual projects are for those dates right we because we don't even do we even know which date taika waititi's is associated with I don't think we do. We just know that he's making one, right? Wait, sorry, say that again. What, what, do we don't know what because we have the 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 three dates for Star Wars movies that they've like yeah. locked in. We know that the first one is Rogue Rogue Squadron, right? Uh huh. We don't know if the second or third one is Taika Waititi's movie. I don't think. I think this. I think we know the second one is Taika's. Okay. Uh, in in any case, that's two years after, or is it a year after? No, that's two years because that's twenty twenty three and twenty twenty five. Yeah, exactly. So that's two years after that. So like, like we're gonna be hearing about Tyka's project for a while. We're probably gonna hear about whatever that twenty twenty seven project is sometime soon. That's ridiculous to think about that. Like, like they're working on stuff that far out, but that's how it's gonna be with the movies. We're not gonna get anything else. We're just gonna get a lot of these tv shows and stuff but it's all going to be in this time frame with the mandalorian it is not going to be luke skywalker we're not going to get that we're not we're just not like we we're we're going to get other stuff and now with the bad batch like like we're gonna we're gonna be riding bad batch for at least five seasons i guarantee it I guarantee at least five seasons of Bad Batch, um, if not five seasons, four seasons and a movie, right? Like a, like an animated feature or something like that to close out the story. At least, um, if not if not more, because they, uh, the reason why we have Bad Batch is because Rebels didn't do what they wanted it to do. Resistance certainly didn't do what they wanted it to do. And so they went back to the Clone Wars and they did season mm-hmm. seven in order to set up Bad Batch. And now we have Bad Batch and Bad Batch is a huge success with a great creative team. And they're going to milk it for everything they can, um, especially because it's it's hitting with the audience and it's taking away from the conversation of the rise of Skywalker being a flop. Uh, not that it was a flop in terms of of you know, financial success, but like it, it killed any momentum that those characters had. Right. Yeah. Um, in a lot of people's eyes, like, like star Wars fans are like, Hey, we want stories with Ray and Ben and Poe and Finn and all of this stuff. Like there's still lots of stuff here that you guys didn't touch on in the movies that we'd really like you to wrap up, you know, like the stormtrooper rebellion and whatnot. I, but the average human, <laughs> the normal normal people, muggles, uh, if if you will, <laughs> uh, they don't care. That like like so, I was at a Disney store on the weekend. They're they're all shutting down here in Canada, and um, so they've been closing out. This Disney store literally had like one shelf with some stuff on it, 
um, like one rack, and it was like it was a bunch of Raya the Last Dragon uh, uh, t-shirts, and nobody nobody necessarily wanted those, which says that Raya didn't really hit with the audience. I don't think. Um, and then uh, behind the the or not behind the register, but like sort of like over at like the 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 register, like the desk where you pay. Next to it was a was a shelf stacked with Rise of Skywalker Blu-rays for five dollars <laughs> a piece. For wow. five dollars a piece, they couldn't get rid of them. I made like I I said something about it because like Crystal's paying, and I was like, they can't get rid of these these Rise of Skywalker Blu-rays, and and the 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 woman ringing ringing us up like laughed and was like that's not all of them (laughs) (laughs) there were at least like probably 50 blu-rays stacked there Um, that's crazy i mean that's not surprising because they released it on it's on disney Disney plus Plus. yeah Yeah. and they released it pretty early during the pandemic but But it's also but it's also star wars right so like you know Look, yeah. Mike, I don't even own the Rise of Skywalker on Blu-ray. There you go. I have the Target version because I needed to complete my 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 set. Not that I have a, a, a complete set, I guess, because my my Force Awakens is the 3D Blu-ray. But um, mm. yeah, which now it's like, why do I have the 3D Blu-ray? I don't have a 3D TV. They don't make 3D TVs anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like for a long time, I bought the Marvel movies because I wanted the 3D discs because I was like, well, streaming doesn't do 3d right and i want to be able to watch these in 3d and i had a 3d tv and i never watched anything in 3d like we <laughs> never watched anything in 3d and it's funny like on the, like the playstation 3 could do 3d games which i did like a few times i i and then and then never did you know like 3d technology it's funny um and now like man i didn't even think about it i didn't even think about the fact that Black Widow was not in 3D. Hmm. Do they do three? Are like are movies at the theater in 3D still? You know, that's a good question because now that I think about it, I can't remember the last time I went to see one that was. Because I don't think that I don't think my IMAX screening of Rise of Skywalker was in 3D. Maybe it was. I feel was like so I I want to say for like Rise of Skywalker and Endgame, I'm pretty sure they still had 3D. Endgame screens. was definitely I, I still in 3D. Endgame yeah, was, I don't, was 100% still in 3D. Yeah. I don't remember if I saw either of those in 3D, but it was def- definitely still around back then. Anyways, anyways, we've gotten way off topic. I I all of that to say like like they're going to show us how they did the Luke Skywalker stuff and everybody's going to be like uh, good job you put a face on a thing. Um I don't think that there's any mystery there to it. I, maybe we'll get some insight as to why they ended up going the route that they did. Um, and maybe we'll get a couple of hints at sort of like what the continuing story is, but yeah, I, I, but I also think they're going to be cagey about that. I don't think that they know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and maybe they don't. That's why I'm just saying if they, if they have an idea, they could surprise us with something, but I think, I mean, you're right. That may be something that may be something that we still don't see for a few years, you know, that might be something that they're just waiting for the right time to tell the right story. But with as, with as big as not just Luke, like, I mean, I get what you're saying about them not wanting to kind of touch stuff that ties into the sequel trilogy and kind of strike that nerve of, you know, it's so polarizing for people. But 
also with the success of Grogu and like how huge that character was and just the the marketing and the toys and everything, they're not going to want to stay away from him for too long either. So I don't um, think they're worried about it. It's uh, that you, you put out, they haven't put out a new movie with Darth Vader in it since 2005, but Darth Vader merchandise still sells through the roof. So I mean, that's true. It's the, there, are, there are certain things that, licensors know and one of those things is that like you put luke skywalker on a t-shirt you'll sell 10 you put darth vader on a t-shirt you'll sell 500 right you put uh han solo on a t-shirt you'll sell 10 you put chewbacca on a t-shirt you'll sell 250 (laughs) right like the 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 characters that are um iconic not in the sense that they're like legendary but in the sense that they are literal icons like they can they can be broken down into a very simple recognizable shape vader chewbacca r2 3po yoda stormtrooper clone trooper darth maul um those are the things that get put on merch because they are evergreen and uh pun intended grogu is in that now because Grogu has just taken over the place that Yoda previously had because, because before it was, it was Yoda. Like, like yeah, he, I would have included him in that list of like, Hey, I, I general Mills is doing a, a color change spoon giveaway for star Wars. What are the characters? It's going to be Vader. It's going to be R2. It might be Chewbacca. It's probably going to be Yoda. Right. And yeah. now what is it going to be? And this is why the Mandalorian is doing so well for, and Boba Fett is also included in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause the helmet's just iconic. So I, I, yeah, like the Mando helmet is included in that. Now Grogu is included in that now. Um, I, I, and that's just, that's just the way that it is. So like they, they'll, they, they won't have any problem selling merch in the interim, but I think, I think that they have bought themselves time because they want to figure out what they're doing with the rest of this story. I think that they ran into a problem in season two of kind of making it up as they went. And John Favreau just kind of writing the story and got to the end of the season. And we're like, what are we doing? Uh, And then, and then went, let's do this book of Boba Fett thing and Ahsoka buy ourselves some time. Cause think of, think, think of what we've got coming at the end of the year, this year in December, we've got book of Boba Fett. We don't know when in December, maybe the first week, maybe the last week. We don't know. But I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the first episode drops on Christmas day or something like that. I, I, but I, I, we're going to get that. And then next year we're going to get Obi-Wan Kenobi and we're going to get Andor. Right. I, uh, we don't know when we're getting season three of the Mandalorian. They haven't officially announced season three of the Mandalorian, which I think is really important to note. Um, We know that Ahsoka is happening. We don't know when Ahsoka is happening. We know that Dave Filoni is executive producer on Ahsoka, which means he won't be available for Mando season three. So are they going to do Mando season three before they do Ahsoka, or are they going to do Ahsoka and then Mando season three? Well, is Dave said, not going to be involved in Mando season three, or is he going to be tangentially involved in the way that he is with book of Boba Fett? Like they, they've bought themselves a lot of time to figure out what's happening with these characters. I also maintain this is now become an episode of faster, more intense. We'll circle back <laughs> uh, uh, and get into the episode proper soon. Cause we got to get through this, but um, I maintain that the next time we see Din Djarin and Grogu, 
together, a significant amount of time will have passed. A few years will have passed in the story. It's not going to, he's not going to like go off and have an adventure. I, Cause I, I think that we will get season three of Mando and I don't think that Grogu will be in the majority of the season because it'll be about them not being together. Oh, of course. It, it has to be because he he discovered who he was through Grogu, and now he has to go away and figure out who he is without Grogu, so that the two oh, of yeah. them can come back together, right? And they've got this whole setup about Mandalore and the yeah. dark saber and all that kind of stuff. But you said that they hadn't officially announced season three of Mandalorian yet. But um, back when Book of Boba Fett was first announced, because you know they had the teaser at the end of the season two finale and then uh john favreau did that interview on like good morning america or whatever yeah. where he like officially revealed it and i'm pretty sure in that interview he said we're going into production on mando season three as soon as we finish book of boba fett um did he so yeah so long yeah, ago he now. mentioned it in something there like was that. a there was this little thing called a pandemic in between <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah uh, know, that feels like that, two years uh, ago yeah but um anyways i i yeah i I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when we're going to get, when we're going to get that and, and what it's going to be and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if coming off of this gallery episode that we'll get a little bit of information. Um, certainly if they do any press or anything like that, we'll get a little bit of info, but, uh, I, the other thing to note, you you kind of already mentioned it. Twenty four Emmy nominations for Mandalorian. Um, the one to me that that is the most worth noting is Timothy Oliphant getting a nomination for uh, a special guest uh, role as Cobb Vanth. I think that that's pretty cool. Um, I, I think we'll see Cobb Vanth in Book of Boba Fett. I have no doubt that we're going to see that character come back. Um, but uh, uh, you were saying Carl Weathers and uh, Giancarlo Esposito also got. Uh, nominations uh, and uh, and you know and then there's like the standard special effects sound editing sound design score yeah. blah, blah blah all that stuff that makes up those other 24 the other notable thing pedro pascal snubbed yeah very that interesting was, that was unfortunate i mean i know there's a lot of competition in the lead actor category yeah. obviously there's a lot of good performances out there but and you know no disrespect to anybody else on the show because it's a great cast all around but like you would think that you know, if if Carl Weathers gets nominated for the one episode that he's in, then Pedro Pascal could get nominated for you know carrying the whole show as Din Jaren. But pa- uh, Pedro Pascal should get nominated just for I uh, I uh, oh shoot, what's the name of the episode? The one with um with Bill Burr. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. I don't. I don't remember the episode titles for season two as well as I do for season one, but you guys all know what Believer. I'm talking about. Yeah, the believer. The believer I, that's it. I, yeah, his performance in that episode is unbelievable. Um, when he takes the helmet off and just emotes so much and gives us so much without saying a word. Um, yeah, yeah. I and heck, on that note, know. Bill Burr gives a pretty great performance in that episode too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, like I said, this isn't faster, more intense. This is Rebel Cells, so let's get into our recap for uh, for Devil's Steel. What else you got? Give me more. Hyperdrives online. Cross that. Take the towers. How many are there? Five of them. That's Clone Force 99. This is Wrecker, Hunter, Echo, 
Tech and Crosshair. My name's Omega. The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Good soldiers follow orders. Episode recap. Okay, here we go. Devil's Deal, uh, directed by Stuart Lee and written by uh, uh, Tamara Becker. I think we went with Becker uh, on the pronunciation here. Uh, let me jump in because we got a lot to talk about in this episode. Um, and we're just going to get right into it. Mm-hmm. On Ryloth, Crosshair stands with the Empire in the Capitol building. The Twi'lek citizenry seems unhappy with the Imperial's presence, and Admiral Rampart lets his disappointment be known to Senator Orn Frita. Eleni Sindula and her husband, General Cham Sindula, assure Rampart, if reluctantly, that they are on the side of peace. Ta speaks to the people, asking them to step down from their military posts. But this only makes the crowd angrier. General Sindula comes forth to reassure them and express his support for the clone army that will remain on the planet. This assuages the crowd who respond with cheers. Rampart tells Eleni that he regrets her daughter could not attend the ceremony. Hera has other interests, Admiral, she says. Uh, this was a surprise. I think this was a surprise for a lot of us. We, we know that the next episode... Surprise. Yeah, the next episode is titled Rescue on Ryloth, and a lot of us went, oh, cool, Ryloth, maybe we'll get to see Hera. Uh, certainly, we'll probably get to see Cham. Um, but but then going into this week, uh, Devil's Deal, not really knowing, especially, I think especially coming off of last week, not really being connected to anything. Like last week really being just uh, an adventure episode, right? Um, some people mm-hmm. would use the word filler. I just consider them as, as opposed to uh, like the, 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 um, like the mainline plot. It's just, this is just an adventure. This one's just a random adventure um, where we got a little bit of character development with, with Omega um, sort of off to the side in the, in the B story. But coming off of that, I thought like, Oh, you know, we're going to get a couple of these. Right. We're just going to kind of get like, like this is what's going to lead us up to the finale. Um, and I figured Ryloth would be like a one and done story. Uh, and then we come into this one and I'm like, hold up. Next week is rescue on Ryloth. This is at least a two parter. Um, this might be a three parter. I think mm-hmm. uh, I, what's the title after rescue on Ryloth. Let me bring it up. Um, I think but, is uh, that one war mantle. No, War Mantle's later. War Mantle is the third to last episode. Um, maybe that is. Maybe maybe, maybe that's where we're at. I uh, <laughs> uh, the season's gonna gonna end real quick. It's like we spent the whole time the the whole season going. Oh my god, we've got so many episodes left, and now here we are talking about what is this? The eleventh episode of the season. It's like we got mm-hmm. we really got five weeks left. We've got just a little bit over a month. Um. Yeah, I mean, really, really, what is it? It's the thirteenth. This time next week, next month, we'll probably be done. Uh, 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 uh episodes. Yeah, IMDb changed. Oh, the, so the next one is the next one is. Oh, I'm looking on uh, Wikipedia. They've got them all yeah. listed on here. So the next one is yeah, it's Rescue and Ryloth, then Infested, then War Mantle. Yeah, and then we don't know the last two titles because they're in August. Um. 
so yeah, I, I, I don't infested infested is probably something different. I would guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, right off the bat, Hey, coming back to Ryloth. Um, have you, have you seen the, 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 the pictures sort of floating around of season one clone wars, Ryloth versus season one, bad batch Ryloth. Yes. I, yeah. And it's incredible comparison. I mean, like, let's just shout out Joel Aaron and, uh, and, and the whole team, um, for the technical achievement that, that is, uh, uh, the bad batch, um, and I mean, like oh, you know, sure. yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's built up on on the history of Clone Wars, and they have they have all of these assets from Clone Wars, but also like it's not like they t- like. I mean, maybe they started with with some of the assets from from uh, the last time we were on Ryloth, uh, whether it was this or or in Star Wars Rebels, uh, or sorry, Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, but um, but I mean, like they added a lot if they, if they started there and, and just kept building, I imagine they kind of started from scratch and, and, and rebuilt. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. This is amazing though. I mean, and I feel like I talk about every, every week and every episode, how just blown away I am with the animation, but this one, I mean, not only the look of like just the city on Ryloth that we've seen in those comparison shots online, but um, there were a few moments here throughout, like later in the episode that were just absolutely stunning. Like when they land on the moon and you see like Ryloth in the background. And then when yep. they, uh, when they come back to Ryloth and they're like flying through the clouds and then down those, through that Canyon at sunset, it was just those, gorgeous. those clouds were like astonishing. Like, like, like yeah. those, the clouds were, were mind blowing. That shot was so beautiful. Um, it you can hardly believe that it that it was animation i uh, yeah they really just they the you're right like the every week they outdo themselves like i'm like what's going to be next week right like they just keep upping the game but it's so funny because it's like at the same time that we feel this sense of continuity from clone wars it's it it actually looks so visually different from what we saw in Clone Wars. It's all familiar. It's all the same environment, but but they've just added so much more detail, so much more depth to it, so much more activity. The crowd on Ryloth is just like in the city in these in these opening scenes is just like mind boggling how like the technical feat of of just getting that to work and not mm-hmm. be. Um, I, I mean, like even in the, in the movies, in the Phantom Menace, they didn't even bother animating this much of, of a crowd, uh, for the pod races. Like, you know, like with the minis, I, I always, I always love it when you see the miniatures, uh, and the behind the scenes stuff. Cause so many people are like, Oh, everything in, in the prequels is computer generated. And it's like, that is so far from the truth. And I yeah. always love like when that argument comes up, like throwing it back in people's face, showing them the pictures of the stands uh, for uh, the, the, the pod race. And it's like the, 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 for like the, the long distance shots, the stands are filled with painted Q-tips, right? Like all those, all oh, those yeah. little people in the stands are just Q-tips with red and blue and, pink and orange and whatever painted onto them just to like add you know the variety or whatever but like they're just they like i love it they're just q-tips um and i i like here we are now 
uh, in 2021 and uh, uh, the, the amount, like the fidelity of this animation that's going into the animated Star Wars, not even the movie. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. Here's my thing. I've said for a while, animation is is where it's at when it comes to star wars i think that this is the way to tell star wars stories i think that they excel in animation i think that they excel on television for sure i i i I think that time will tell that like other than the original trilogy everything else that's been done since the original trilogy is the tv is the best stuff like I like I think that that like the best of the Clone Wars, the best of Star Wars Rebels, now Bad Batch, is is better than the vast majority of what we've gotten in the films. Um, it, it, like the storytelling is better, the 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 visuals are better. They're different. It's a different. We're kind of on a different. Um, get we we gauge them differently, but in terms of like, like I don't know, like let's compare the end of rise of Skywalker, the, the crowd of Sith, uh, uh, whatever, what did they call them? Or whatever, like they're the, 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 the cultists, right? Sith or, cultists and acolytes. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. On, like on Exegol. Like these, this, this massive crowd of, of Sith cultists, um, that we never get like any detail, any fidelity. Like if you told me that there was nobody there, like if you got rid of the sound effects, I wouldn't notice. Right. It'd be like, okay. Yeah. Uh, whereas like this crowd scene in bad batch is like, it's just, it's just so detailed and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they just copy pasted a bunch of characters. Right. And it's not yeah. like it's no. one shot. It's like, there are, there are a dozen shots at least going back and forth because like, we're kind of like, we're showing the crowd and then we're going back to the, to the dais or whatever, like where they're, they're making their speech and then you go back and forth and then we're focused on Gobi and like it, it, it plays back and forth with that. And the crowd being real is a very important piece of that because we have to be focused on Gobi and his crew, right? The, the, the insurrectionists. And, and then we have to see them disappear into the crowd. Right. Like we have to have that great moment. And like, mm-hmm. you can't do that if the crowd doesn't feel real. It, and like it, the way that they blocked it, the way that they staged it, the way that they animated the characters was just all so expert. It was so well done. I was sitting watching this episode just like what how we don't deserve this as a tv show you know it gets me really excited for the marvel what if series that's coming because i feel like disney is putting as much effort behind that as they have been with the bad batch which means like we're gonna get some really really good stuff with what if um yeah man yeah and that animation also looks really great just from the trailer it looks phenomenal it's a totally different style but it's it looks so good and and so many people it drives me insane so many people, Star Wars fans, discount the animation. They act like it's lesser than just because it's animated. As if it's like that makes it for kids. And it's just like it drives me insane because the storytelling in the Clone Wars, the storytelling in Star Wars Rebels, the storytelling in Bad Batch is for everybody. It, it works mm-hmm. for kids. Absolutely. 100 percent. It's accessible for them. Um, especially rebels and resistance were very accessible for kids. Uh, early clone wars as well. 
but the but but there's a depth to the storytelling that also obviously works so much for us and 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 they have just this team has just cranked it up way past 11 for bad batch it just like like i i mean i'm i'm echoing a lot of the stuff that i said um back on uh man what was the episode uh cornered right when we when we spent all that time on on um was that ord mantel no they were on another planet right they went to a different planet um for the supply run but i uh, uh, was that pantora they went to pantora right oh yeah um, wait was that the the fennec shand one yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, and, and we got all of those crowd scenes at like in the bazaar and stuff like that. And oh it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just it was just so good, so so good. Um, even even with cut and run, right? Like even in that one, with like just feeling so authentically Star Wars, really feeling like the prequels with all these aliens and and people around in these in these incredible, uh, uh, vibrant uh, environments and stuff. Like they just they they they've just done such an amazing job of making it feel like star Wars in a way that clone wars always kind of like was, was almost there. Let's, let's exclude season one where they weren't even close, but you know, like even, even in season seven of clone wars, I feel like there were some moments where it's like, Oh man, Coruscant looks good. They're almost there. And I feel like if we go back to Coruscant now, which hopefully at some point we will eventually get to Coruscant in bad batch, um, with the way that they've upped it in this first season, if we saw Coruscant now, it would be like, yeah, that's just, that's Coruscant from the movies. Like, yeah, they're nailing it. Um, yeah. No, it, I mean, it is crazy to think how, like, because for so long I've held up Clone Wars as like the, sta- the the high standard of Star Wars animation. Yeah. And thinking how, because after that, then, you know, we got Rebels and we got Resistance and um, thinking like, okay, cool. Like they're putting all their resources to, you know, come back for one final season of Clone Wars and like give the fans the big send off that we always wanted. And then like, hopefully Bad Batch will be like somewhere close to that level of quality when they go back to doing like an ongoing weekly show and they might have to spread the budget out more. Like we'll be lucky if it kind of looks as good as Clone Wars and like they blow Clone Wars away every week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, it's... It's like not even close. Uh, uh, cool. Let, let's keep going with this episode. Uh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, from a rocky perch, Hera Syndulla and her droid chopper spy on a mining facility. When nothing looks suspicious, Hera lies down to admire the skies before clone troopers find her. Privately, Gobi Glee, Cham's friend, tells Eleni that the clones uh, should not be the ones protecting Ryloth and questions how Cham could support it. By turning over our weapons, he's made us defenseless, Cham says. Um... Oh, wait, that's Gobi who says that. Uh, I've already reached out to my contact to acquire more. Suddenly, a clone escort arrives with Hera. Clone Captain Hauser, a friend of Cham's, says that Hera was found in a restricted zone, but lets her off quietly. Gobi comes forward and acknowledges that he that it was he who sent Hera. Eleni walks Hera back inside, asking her about what she saw. Meanwhile, Cham argues with Gobi. I'm telling you, the Imperials are up to something, Gobi says. You just don't want to see it. Um... um and we didn't yeah, even talk on. about just, you know, right off the bat here, seeing uh, Cham Syndulla and being back on Ryloth again and then seeing Hera. And it's funny because so I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to Joe real quick because he couldn't make it for this episode. But he said he was really looking forward to talking uh, talking about this one after our discussion last week where we had talked a lot about um, 
sort of where this is going to fit in on the timeline and connect to the other shows. And I was like, man, I really don't want to see Bad Batch just become a Rebels prequel and see more stuff with like the formation of the Rebel Alliance and all this stuff. And so Joe said like he immediately started laughing seeing that we were back on Ryloth and seeing all these characters from Rebels again right after we had talked about that. But I actually, I was really happy to see this. Um, and it was, you know, a, a huge surprise. Like you said, I was expecting that maybe we were going to see Cham and maybe like a quick little cameo from Hera next week. Um, wasn't expecting them to show up this week and be such major players in the story, but just seeing, uh, you know, first of all, it was cool to have an episode where like the Bad Batch were barely in it and were really focusing on different corners of the galaxy, but not it, like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a rebel setup so much as it felt like dealing with the empire and crosshair and dealing more with just like the imperial expansion and what is sort of going on in this time period of the galaxy as mm -hmm. different people in different planets are adapting to new life under imperial rule. Um, and I thought it was really interesting seeing this perspective from Cham Syndulla too, because we've always seen him at odds with the empire and with the Republic. And he's this freedom fighter who really wants, you know, freedom and liberation for his people. And so to see him be the one that for once he's like, you know, we've done all this fighting, like let's, you know, accept the peace that we have at the moment, like the war's over. And as much as we may not like this Imperial occupation, like we fought with these guys through the war, they've proven that we can trust them. Like they've proven to be allies and, you know, maybe we should just accept this peace. We'll accept the Imperial rule. And, you know, I'm willing to just lay down my arms and stop fighting. And I, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that. And I think it's going to kind of, come back to bite him in the butt and uh lead to you know kind of the the more hard-edged um leader that he is in rebels when we see him again um but yeah i just i love the setup here at the beginning and love seeing all these characters again and again as much as i talked about not wanting a rebel sequel i was really pleasantly surprised to uh to see um them take the story where they did in this episode yeah i i, I yeah it, it doesn't it it definitely doesn't feel like it's just like, Oh, we're just setting things up for star Wars rebels. Um, it, it feels very much like when we got to see Caleb doom in the season premiere, um, and how we're just, you know, I, uh, I, we're just establishing stuff. It, it's, it's funny. Cause this is all kind of stuff that we already knew from star Wars rebels. Like, like, I don't think that we've gotten a lot of actual new information. We're just getting to see how it actually went down, like how it played out. And it's, yeah. it, it, to me, I think it's, it's really smart. They could, there's a lot of people complaining about like, Oh, a small galaxy. Like, like it's always somebody that we know sort of thing. And it's like, well, you're going to tell this story of like, this is, this is how the empire subjugated people right like because and you have to use a non-human world um to really like drive the point home right because the 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 empire is racist uh as a as as a uh, an institution it's 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 metaphorically built to be that way so so we it's got to be a non-human world uh if that's the case then why would we not revisit uh, a story that we already know, right? Like, like mm -hmm. let's 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 connect these dots and show us um, the the pieces that we've been missing. So, um, and and obviously, like the, like I think this next episode will probably be the one that is a little bit more like, hey, like we're setting up Harris character for Star Wars Rebels. Like we're gonna give you those moments. Um. 
I don't think Eleni makes it out of this story. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, so either. I think that that's where we're going with it. Um, because we're going to leave this story with like, it's going to be a full on insurrection, rebellion, however you want to put it on Ryloth. Right. Uh, uh, and, 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 but, but more importantly, like, I think like we're, we're going to set up for the bad batch in the next episode that like, they kind of have to pick a side. Um, they've been trying to stay under the radar. Right. But I think they're going to get pulled into this and they're going to have to they're going to have to choose sides. They're going to have to actively fight against the Empire, not just run from them. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that that's going to be a turning point for these characters. Uh, I, like, like I said, it's a decision that has to be made. And so just like the Caleb Doom thing, it was so important that it be Kanan because this is a character that we know a character that we love a character that we like, we know where he's going to go, what he's going to do. And we have an attachment to that. So Hunter sparing him instantly endears us to Hunter crosshair trying to kill him instantly makes us feel like crosshair, the bad guy, right? It yeah. like that was so important. And, and they're doing the same thing here uh, where we are going to use Hera to motivate our characters in this way. And, uh, and it's, and so we have so much connection to Hera, uh, not just from rebels, but also from squadrons from, uh, I, I mean, like ostensibly she is also in rogue one. She is also in, uh, I rise of Skywalker. Um, like Hera is all over the place. She's in the Freemaker adventures, right? Like that character, it, like this i know we're not technically in the prequels but we're so close to the prequels i would still consider this like the edge of prequel era because we're still within a year of revenge of the sith right Mm -hmm. it's like hera is hera's like maybe like her and ahsoka are like the two characters that bridge the entire entire saga other than now high republic right but like but but sort of like the on-screen saga right yeah certainly well, the whole skywalker from, aside from r2 and 3po but yeah okay yeah r2 and 3po they don't count um but yeah it, it's it like it's it's really interesting to me that that uh that that hera is kind of everywhere and so they're using her for the same reason that they used kanan um and it's gonna it's going to connect us to to the bad batches decision, um, especially like when they kill her mother and then she's like, we have to fight against them. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Like that. Like it's, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's going to have a purpose. It wasn't just like a, Oh, let's, let's just go there. Like there's a reason why we're using Hera. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say too, like it, it would kind of, it would kind of feel different if Hera was like the main focus of the episode, or if they were like, let's go to Ryloth and just tell a story about, you know, Cham and Hera just to kind of tie it into Rebels. Like it definitely could feel forced or feel like they're trying to just, you know, throw in too many characters that we know. But when, I mean, it feels like the main driving force of the story, like you said, is let's show the empire subjugating a world. Um, and start a conflict that the Bad Batch is inevitably inevitably going to get drawn into and, and have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to fight back against the Empire. And then, like, while we're at it, why not use Hera and Cham? Because we have that story there already, and we know that this happened to them at some point. So let's just flesh out that story. Um, 
it felt like, you know, using those characters to fit the story they were telling rather than sort of forcing the story to fit those characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll continue here. Uh, In his office, the senator tells Rampart that Cham's fighters will always be loyal to him. They all must be dealt with, he says. In turn, Rampart says that Ta needs to see this through. Cham speaks with Hera, who gazes upward again, dreaming of flying. Hera says she is ready to fight, but Cham hopes she can live a life without it. Rampart brings the Sindulas to the refinery. Despite initial promises, it appears to be a military facility. When pressed, Rampart says the Empire is dedicated to protecting the interests of Ryloth. Eleni and Cham argue about the Empire's intentions, with Eleni growing more and more suspicious. I, I love this. I, I love the tension between the two of them. It's not they're not fighting, um, but but they it, like there's tension. Um, yeah yeah it, it, it i it it's gonna make what happens in the next episode i think all that more uh much more uh uh, uh heart-wrenching because <laughs> we'll get yeah, a moment of sure. cham like i mean we kind of already get it by the end of this episode with cham being like well, i've made a mistake in trusting the imperials right certainly mm-hmm. certainly when when rampart uh turns on them yeah. Now he was also back in the uh, the last paragraph, but we haven't talked about this yet. What did you make of uh, Captain Hauser? Because um, aside from everybody on the internet going goo goo eyes over him, yeah, um, and, which and is yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, no, no complaints there. But um, no, just like I, I thought he was a really interesting character because this is the first time I think in the whole series, or at least since the first episode, that we've seen a clone trooper character like with his helmet off with different colored armor with a unique haircut and like showing some personality and i'm wondering if this is if he's sort of supposed to be indicative of the clones in general um and sort of you know using him as a a touch point to be like hey look just because the clones serve the empire now they haven't completely lost their individuality and like Mm -hmm. here's why people could still see them as good guys here's why like even though they turned on the jedi people like cham who were you know heroes in the clone wars and, and fought alongside the clone troopers they could still get along with them like if they're not there to watch them gun down a jedi they would still see them as good guys um but i did think it was interesting like at um well you know earlier when they arrested hera and brought her back and uh hauser's like all right you know i'll let her off with a warning and then later when like the um when rampart wants to arrest her and hauser is kind of looking at him like really she's just a kid and kind of showing like even though the clones are you know, they've, they've got the chips activated. They're going along with the empire. Um, but these Imperial guys like Rampart and like Tarkin are like even more sort of evil and intense and like, are maybe going to push them to do some things that even with that programming that the clone troopers don't want to do, but the loyal conscripted stormtroopers would go along with. And so I think yeah. that's going to be something else as they, that they continue to develop. But I'm, I'm wondering sort of where they're going to go with uh, Hauser's character, like in the next episode or a couple episodes, depending on how long we stay on Ryloth. Cause I think he maybe could end up kind of turning against the empire and maybe sacrifice himself to try to save Hera or something like that. Or we could see again, he, they maybe could be painting him as a sympathetic character to be like, Hey, remember the clones are still, you know, sort of these good guys that you like. And, you know, the same guys that you remember from the clone wars. Um, and then ultimately, at the end of the day, we may see him go along with the Empire's orders, and maybe he's the one that executes Elaine or something like that. Um, so either way, I think we're in for a, a tragic situation with this character. But I thought um, 
you know, it was really interesting the way they presented him here and set him up. Um, I, I think I think that what we'll probably end up seeing is that is that he will be the one given the order to execute Eleni uh, and Cham, and he will he will argue that and Rampart or Crosshair will shoot him and then shoot Eleni. Like, uh, like I, yeah. I think, I, I think that what what we're gonna see with that character is is kind of what you were talking about, is that like like Hauser is going to be an example for Rampart of why we need to get rid of the clones. Yeah, exactly. That's um, what I'm like in the same way that they put, we'll talk about it when we get there, but within the same way that they're putting, uh, uh Cham in a situation. So that they can paint him as an assassin, I think uh, that Rampart is Rampart's playing a different game from everybody else. Like, and and nobody else even knows that they're playing it. Um, and I, I, it, there's a reason why we saw Omega playing Dejarik last week, and why that's important mm. because it's a strategy thing and rampart is five steps ahead of everybody he's 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 kind of like all good imperials like like tarkin like thrawn um he's like that's this is how he operates he's he is actually manipulating people into places that he wants them to be and i think that he will take advantage of hauser's uh, uh feelings towards the syndulas to paint the clones in a negative light and make the case that they should just all be wiped out that like we can't rely on their loyalty it's it's programmed into them but if they overcome that programming they'll rebel right which is all of this is to make up for not having this story in the sequel trilogy but (laughs) (laughs) uh, maybe not to make up for it but like i think it's very much like tied into that um so i i think that that's what we'll see uh is is him using using hauser as an example um, and really like painting him as this when Hauser will be totally reasonable about it. And we'll be like, we can't like, we shouldn't be doing this. Right. This is, this is wrong. And, and, you know, Rampart will be like, I'm sorry to hear you f- feel that way. And then like kill him. Right. Um, and then, and then, and then sort of, you know, uh, I make some remark of like, this is, this is why clones can't be trusted or whatever. And it might actually be something that, that starts to um, chip away at, at crosshairs programming a little bit. Um, And crosshair might begin to realize that he is expendable in the eyes of the empire um, and that his loyalty isn't actually worth anything. Yeah. So, you know, like it it could could serve a dual purpose there. Yeah. I I think we're going to see crosshair stay loyal to the empire for a long time, but like Mm -hmm. I said, I think he's either going to realize that they're like discarding the clones and he's like, that's eventually going to be me too, or he's not going to realize it, but that is going to end up being him. Like he'll be the last clone left and they're just going to, you know, chew him up and spit him out. So, um, totally. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I definitely think something's going to go down with Hauser. That's going to propel that whole thing forward. And like you said, make an example of why they're, yeah, going to try to start phasing out the clones after talking to uh uh brad brow and uh jennifer corbett in that roundtable interview listening to them talk about that stuff if you haven't listened to that episode go back and listen to it um the roundtable interview special episode i 
nothing they're doing with the clones is an accident. The fact that Hauser has a rad haircut, the fact that he's super handsome and dashing, uh, the fact that he has painted armor, it's all like that's all there for a reason. We are meant to look at him and see the clones from the clone troopers. Whereas with the other ones, we are meant to see stormtroopers, right? So it's uh and, and then with crosshair we we see crosshair right as his own sort of thing with the elite troopers mm-hmm. so like that's 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 on purpose that's 100 percent on purpose and we'll see we'll see the the culmination of that in the next one uh you want keep going here yeah sure um hera meets up with her uncle in the hangar though hera came to say she's not allowed to join him on a planned supply run Gobi's offer of flying is too good to refuse She runs aboard, but not before Crosshair hits the vessel with a tracking device. Along the way, Gobi offers Hera some pointers. They finally reach their destination, and Gobi reveals that the cargo they're obtaining is weapons. Shortly, Gobi's contacts, the Bad Batch, arrive. Omega welcomes Hera onto the Marauder, showing her the cockpit and various controls. They chat about flying, and Hera promises that one day she'll be a pilot. Soon, Hera and her crew depart. And this was a really just fun touching little scene between uh you know omega and hera and just kind of getting to see the kids play together while the grown-ups are off doing their their deal with the weapons and stuff but um yeah, yeah I, don't know, I i love seeing hera at the you know she's probably like 11 12 years old at this point and still you know learning her way around a ship in a cockpit and um even omega being a little bit younger and in some ways less experienced but kind of having a little bit to teach her just because she's been around the ship so much um but it was really just, it was fun to see them interact and uh, even hear Hera's perspective on flying, even this young being like, you know, like the instruments and the controls and everything can only do so much. And like, you know, it's, it's really a feeling that you just got to kind of feel your way through it. And, um, and then I love when she took off and Omega goes to the rest of the Bad Batch and she's like, did you know flying is about a feeling? And tech being the logical one is like, what the heck are you talking about? Like a yeah. feeling, what is that? Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Um, I think I think that Hera is meant to be fourteen, in at this point in time. The reason why I say that is on the concept art, she's labeled as Hera something or other fourteen A, V fourteen A or something like that. Um, oh, okay. So and and the the behind the scenes uh, uh, text trivia or whatever text facts or whatever it's called, I I calls out that she is a teenager um so i think i think she is meant to be around 14 i i believe that that's about the same age as as kanan as well um yeah and see that's interesting because they're not that this bothers me i know some people get up in arms about this but that's a bit of a retcon because so yeah i think kanan is supposed to be 14 and in the the novel A New Dawn, where those two characters are first introduced and where they meet for the first time before Rebels, I think it's confirmed in there that Hera's like five years younger than Kanan. Is it? Um, yeah, because I think at that point he's like 23 and I think she's like 18 or maybe around 20 or something like that. So I think she's supposed to be a few years younger than him. And that's why I was kind of like, okay, she doesn't look like a nine-year-old, but maybe like 11 or 12 or something. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
as always on screen trump's books trump's comics yeah right yeah for sure <laughs> uh, uh yeah it might be a bit of a retcon uh, I'll continue here. Uh, as Gobi makes his descent back to Ryloth, Crosshair delivers a precise hit to one of his ship's engines. The craft crashes in a ravine and Rampart, Ta, and a squad of troops come to greet them. The senator feels that Hera's involvement is enough to implicate Chan, but Rampart isn't so sure. Still, Hera has committed a crime, he says. She's only a child, Hauser protests, but Ta orders them all taken away. From the hills, Cham's lieutenants see what's happening and report back. Crosshair and Rampart, however, are aware of the spies. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, that 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 aspect of it is just uh, uh, so clearly set up to make us sympathetic towards Hauser. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I and and also it's setting up that like he is he's he is definitely sympathetic to the Sindulas. Like he's, uh, I I think one of the lessons that we are meant to learn here is that it wasn't just the Jedi who had an effect on the clones. So like that programming in the their their inhibitor chips, the the Order sixty six programming of like we're like you're no longer loyal to the jedi the jedi are enemies it didn't translate over to uh, an individual like cham and yes exactly i until we get information otherwise i believe that there was no jedi presence on ryloth the 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 republic was only kind of welcome there by Cham and his freedom fighters, right? Like, like very reluctantly. And I don't think that Cham really likes the Jedi, right? Like, like that, like that was kind of, there was a little bit of that subtext in, um, in, in season one of Clone Wars. And there was a little bit of that subtext carried through in Star Wars Rebels of Kanan being very nervous to meet Cham. Um, yeah, but I, I would say I think the same goes for the clone troopers, too. Like, he was, in season one of the Clone Wars, at least, yep, he was very yep. wary of, like, just the clones and the Republic in general. And so I think him... Totally. I think he, he probably but, came but to I respect don't, the Jedi, I don't, just like the clones. I don't think that there was a Jedi presence. Like, like yeah. I there We don't really have any other stories of Jedi on Ryloth. Um, I right, think that, right. like, like, the, like, Cham and his freedom fighters were of the opinion that they didn't need their help. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it also could have just been that, like, once they had the planet under control, once they won that that battle to take back the planet in season one of Clone Wars, they didn't necessarily need Jedi there anymore, but they left some clones there to help, you know, keep the planet defended. Because yeah. I would agree. I don't think there was a Jedi there, but I don't think it's because Cham didn't want them there. But I think, like, I think by this point, Cham probably trusts the Jedi enough that if he saw Hauser and the clones gun down a Jedi, he would not be as trusting of them as he's being in this episode. Yeah, but but I do. I think I think that that like they've intentionally kept Cham removed from those events so that right, there's a right. little bit of like almost like plausible deniability of him being like, well, I guess I guess like if I trust the clones, and if the clones say that the Jedi betrayed the republic then that's the case right yeah or i, I because, mean because i, I think it, it, if... it, it plays into one of cham's apprehensions about having the jedi on ryloth like there was a dynamic there where he was like he did not trust mace windu 
right? right? Like it was like, like he didn't trust the Jedi. And so I think that if you didn't trust the Jedi and then you were kind of reluctantly working with them and the Republic, and then all of a sudden it's like the Jedi have turned on the Republic, a person like Cham would be like, well, I said that they had too much power. <laughs> I said that this was a bad idea. I guess I was right. I get, I, 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 I was almost convinced the other way by Mace Windu and the other Jedi that showed up, but I guess I was actually right. The Jedi weren't to be trusted. They were too powerful. They, they, they tried to usurp the, 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 uh, the, the chancellor, right? Like, so I, I could see that being the case. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get any sort of, uh, intimations at that in the next episode, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's my read of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess on the flip side too. I'm now that you bring all that up, I'm wondering like, for like I know Palpatine gave that big address where he talked about the Jedi Rebellion being foiled and everything. But I'm like, for people that are you know out in the outer rim and whatever, and maybe are somewhere where there weren't Jedi when Order sixty six went down, are they even aware of everything that happened? Um. So that could be something too. I mean, maybe cross or maybe, you know, Hunter and the Bad Batch show up and they're like, Hey, Cham, remember those Jedi that you fought alongside? Like this empire that you're okay with now, they, they kind of murdered all those guys. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That could be another interesting aspect of it to explore too. Yeah. Uh, you, you want to keep going? Yeah. Um, let's see. Chopper soon finds the Syndulas informing them that Hera, her uncle and the entire party has been accused of treason. They move to rendezvous with Cham's lieutenants and decide to, to take control of the tank transporting the prisoners. Cham commandeers a speeder bike and makes his way toward the tank, while Eleni and the others try to eliminate the trooper ex escort. Lenk finally gains access to the cockpit of the tank and quickly jams the Empire's comms. From the cockpit, Lenk shuts down the tank's lights and brings the transport to a halt. Rampart, with seemingly no other options, decides to surrender. And, uh... Gosh, I've never been so excited to see a clone turbo tank before. Like, <laughs> this is one of those things that, you know, it's just because they're like in the background in Revenge of the Sith and they're not really, you know, fe heavily yeah. featured. But like as, as hardcore fans, we've seen the Lego sets and all that kind of stuff. So like anytime one of these pops up on screen, I'm like, oh, cool, it's that thing. But again, the freaking animation of like just the lights on it going through the dust in the canyon and like the way that the individual wheels were moving over yeah. the terrain and stuff, it felt like I was watching a live action, like actual vehicle. I was like, did they go out and film this? What the heck is going on here? Yeah, no, it, they, yeah, they, they, they totally nailed it. I think that they had had a lot of good stuff to draw from with, um, with rogue one, right. Even, even though yeah. it's, it's a very brief shot, but we get to see the, the turbo tank in that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it, I, I think the reason why anytime the tank shows up, it's a big deal is because like, there's not a lot of wheels in star Wars. <laughs> That's because everything That's else true. flies. And anytime it shows up, you're like, why is this wheeled thing here? <laughs> right. Um, so it's always just, I feel like it's always kind of a bit of a novelty, but yeah, it, this, this was a great action sequence. Um, it didn't overstay its welcome, which I appreciate. It was, it was nice and brief. Um, but mm -hmm. the, just getting to see Cham and his fighters do their, do their thing again was, was very cool. Um, Cham specifically, like, like seeing that, like, oh, he's still got some fight in him, um, which we oh, know because sure. obviously we see him in Rebels and he's still fighting. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty great. Um, yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It looked good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let me close this one out. 
Uh, outside, Hera reunites with Eleni. When Ta calls them traitors, Cham steps forward. You threaten my daughter and accuse her of treason. For years, I've watched you put your greed and self-interest above Ryloth, he says. You are the one guilty of treason. Cham raises his blaster and points it directly at the senator's chest. Hauser tells Cham to think about what he's doing, and Eleni gently calms her husband, who finally lowers his weapon. Thank you for playing your part, Senator, Rampart suddenly says as a blaster bolt strikes Ta in the head and the and Imperial ships descend. Uh, realizing they've been set up, Eleni orders Chopper to get Hera to safety. Rampart places Cham and Eleni under arrest and orders Hauser to find Hera. So the gunships show up uh, and we didn't get a good look at them, which was a real bummer because I was hoping that we were going to get our canon appearance of the the gunship repaint from uh, I, I, after after Revenge of the Sith before Clone Wars. You know how like like there was that period after like it was about probably like 2006, 2007 when we started all of a sudden getting Imperial repaints of all of the Republic stuff. Oh Um, yeah. 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 And, and there's an Imperial repaint of like a Hasbro uh, did. uh, uh, I think, I think they did like the, the, the hot wheels one. I don't know if they were hot wheels or, or, or what it was, but like the, no, those are, are you talking about the little mini ones? Those are like yeah. the titanium die cast or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was still Hasbro at the time. Um, but they, they did that and they did the the three and three quarter scale. Uh, it Just the same one that they had released for Revenge of the Sith and they just kept repainting them, right? They just, mm-hmm. they put out like, God, man, they put out six or seven versions of that same gunship with all of the different they did the clone wars animated series paint job on it they did you know like like uh, uh all sorts of different decos on those um but they did an imperial one and and the imperial paint job looks good and it got me thinking could we eventually see vader i mean like obviously we've all thought that before if 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 ahsoka shows up well, I guess not because Ahsoka doesn't encounter Vader until until um, Star Wars Rebels, but maybe in a different storyline. If if Vader shows up, could he show up in his uh, I, I, Ada? What is it? Oh, like Ada the, Choose, the, black, right? the black Jedi starfighter. Yeah, the black Jedi. That the, would be the, the, the Jedi interceptor. I yeah. would lose it, dude. I would lose it if we get to see that on screen. Because I love the Jedi Starfighters. The Delta Seven is my favorite, like the 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 one from Attack of the Clones. I love that ship so much with the the hyperdrive ring and everything. The the Ada twos are are good as well. I like them as well. But the like the the Delta Sevens where it's at in my opinion. But I I I would yeah man I would I would be giddy to see him in his modified Ada two. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, I'm, when it comes to Jedi. Job, when it comes so to good. Jedi Starfighters, I'm an Ada Two man myself. So yeah. yeah, seeing Vader show. Actually, technically, my favorite Jedi Starfighter is Anakin's modified one from the Clone Wars micro series. <laughs> the the um, pod one. <laughs> the, the yeah the, yeah yeah the with, the Azura Angel yeah, uh, um, which is what a Delta Seven B with all his tricked out modifications on. Yeah, it. but yeah, um, seeing Vader show up in that Starfighter would be amazing. 
Yeah, so I, 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 man, it it just got me thinking about that. And it's like, well, they've already got the Clone Wars Vader model. Uh, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be that hard. They've already got Delta, uh, sorry, Ada, Ada twos. Uh, they have Delta sevens as well. Um, uh, yeah, I would love to see it. Now, I would speaking like to of see which, it. I one thing that I saw some people speculating about online that I hadn't really thought of. Um, cause you're at, I'm sure we'll probably see Vader at some point in the series, but people were thinking yeah. we might even see him in the next couple episodes because there's that novel Lords of the Sith where he and Palpatine get stranded on Ryloth during in like an insurrection and like Sham Syndulla and his fighters are coming after Vader and Palpatine. Um, so I don't think we're going to see that storyline play out no, in the show, but that was just something that was like, <laughs> oh shoot, while we're on Ryloth with the empire and everything, like that's something I hadn't really considered. Um, and you've got that episode there's that episode called infestation and there was a scene in the book where they're in like these tunnels with these big bug things and whatever so yeah i don't know that would be crazy uh yeah no i don't think so (laughs) it would be cool to see but but i highly doubt it uh yeah i guess that's it that's it that's it for the recap uh you want to jump in the mailbag yeah. Well, you know, can we talk one other thing sure, real quick? Yeah, I just thought ahead. this was um, a really cool setup at the end. Like you said, Rampart thinking two steps ahead of everybody, yeah. setting up Ornfree Todd to get him out of the way, um, but use him as, you know, almost kind of like a martyr to to frame Cham and everybody and be like, oh, look, they assassinated the senator. There was one thing that really bugged me just, and this is a tiny little thing, but just about the dialogue at the end where Rampart says, and like Crosshair takes aim, takes his shot, the bullet clearly goes right through Ornfree Ta's temple like that guy's dead as a doornail and Rampart says you know you're under arrest for the attempted murder of Ornfree Ta and I was like if you're calling that attempted murder then like who killed him like the like to me I was like okay they're being set up for his murder they're being framed this is a crazy twist whatever and then he said attempted murder and I was like what then who are you saying actually did it like that just kind of threw me off but yeah, I'm a little confused. I uh, but I I I but I whatever. I they'll I think they'll clear it up in the next one. Yeah. Uh let's uh yeah, let's let's jump into the mailbag now. Phantom, this is Paul Come in. Sir, we've received a transmission from someone using our subspace frequency. Fulcrum. Incoming transmission from the rebel cells. Fulcrum mailbag. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, over on social media, I said, uh, what an episode. Who is your favorite Syndulla? Cham, Eleni, Hera, or Chopper? Uh, <laughs> and over on Twitter, we got some succinct answers. Uh, Doug Green at Doogie448. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, just simply said Eleni. Uh, I get it. I totally understand. Uh, and then Scales Sibbins at Scales20 said Chopper and Hera are my favorites. And then over on Instagram, uh, Alexandrina ATK said, I really enjoyed meeting Eleni in this episode. She was just really intriguing. But give me a few more days to cool off from the excitement, and I'll admit that Chopper is still the fave. Uh, uh, Serving Pink Milk also said over on Instagram, uh, I just talked about this shot, uh, the mom with the eyebrow. I, I mean, one of the one of the pictures that was associated with the with the post uh, in our last live stream. It made me so emotionally happy to see Hera in her mom. Uh, yeah, they definitely did a great job of like establishing that those two are connected. Um, mm-hmm. 
cool well uh that's it thank thank you guys for for uh uh, uh writing in and and uh engaging with us on social media we appreciate it uh, as always yeah. Um, like, just uh, speaking of all those characters, sorry, we didn't ahead. even really bring up Chopper and seeing him again. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, it was it, for me. It was just really fun seeing Hera and Chopper in this animation style. Um, you know, we talked about the the Rebels tie-ins, but this really felt to me more like a like an episode of Clone Wars, with it being just off on this one planet, yeah. focused on their own kind of struggle. But seeing Hera and and Chopper in the Clone Wars animation style was just really fun. Yeah, totally. Um. Cool. Uh, well, up next uh, I, for, for this next week is Rescue on Ryloth. Uh, so, I, I, hey, if you were missing the Bad Batch this week on this episode of the Bad Batch, <laughs> um, don't worry, because who do you think is going to come to the rescue? Uh, yeah. it'll, it'll definitely be the Bad Batch coming to rescue uh, uh, Hera and the others. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, how about you? I am most definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, we will be back next week to talk Rescue on Wrath. Actually, I won't be back. I'm, I'm going to be off again next week. But uh, uh, hopefully Joe will be back with Kyle. Otherwise, Kyle will just be talking to himself. Um, no, you'll have to find. It very well could be. We'll see. <laughs> find, find another host. But, uh, but yeah, uh, we'll be back uh, regardless I, uh, with, I, with, with Rescue on Ryloth. Thanks for listening. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again! Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more. 